Well, welcome to another episode of Mission Driven You. This is a podcast for people who want to do good and to do well in the world. And on that front, I'm really excited to share Danielle Matthews with you today. A lot of you that are listening are individuals trying to figure out how do I find the strength to overcome something or how do I find the strength to keep going? And I think what you will find is that Danielle's story is really incredible. So I'm so grateful to share you with the audience, Danielle, and welcome. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Will. Excellent. So we always start off with one question, which is tell us the story of somebody or some group that made the difference for you. When you look back on your journey, you're like, yeah, they were, that was, they were really important for my journey. Yeah. I think of those moments as like inflection point moments. And there's, there's several people, but one I'll share about her name's Kamani Desai. And when I first came across her, she was actually just, she was writing a book. She needed some help citing research, seemed like a very nonchalant kind of connection. And I became really intrigued with the book, with what the book was about. And when we finished, she said, well, I'd love to gift you a training so you can come and learn about this. And I said, "Uh, you know, okay. And I ended up, you know, a year or so passed between this time. And I ended up walking onto the grounds of an ashram to, to take this program. And I didn't know what an ashram was. Okay. I was very ignorant to this. And she said, Oh, I'd love for you to meet my dad. I didn't know who her dad was. Turned out her dad is like a, a living legend. His name is uh, Amrit Desai. Guru Dev uh, is what he's called, beloved guru. And he brought like yogic philosophy and teachings to the West from India when he was like in his early 20s, was one of the first wave of doing that in the 60s. And so I spent the next 10 days in this magical space. I feel like I ended up, you know, in the middle of the woods in this beautiful setting, learning ancient wisdom from Kamini and getting to meet her father. And it was like, I felt like I left there and I was given the secrets to life. And they are what I've used to learn about myself more, understand myself, understand like why I'm here, what the purpose of life is. It just, it unlocked almost everything I feel like for me in my life. So when I, when I look back and think who's had the biggest impact comedy for sure. And she's continued to be a teacher of mine and it still is to this day. That's something like, I don't know, eight, almost nine years later. That's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. I love that question because oftentimes we forget that like we may be responsible for our own story, but we are the composite of all the stories that have helped been told in us by, by all the people we've interacted with. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's so interesting, you know, some people come into our lives for a short time and change everything and others, you know, they're more lasting relationships that continue to unfold things. Right. So speaking of story, I'd love to hear your story. I know your story, but I'd love to hear you share it with the audience of kind of the the events of your early 20s and how that shaped what you do in the world. Absolutely. You know, my life, I grew up in Maryland. I went to school, University of Virginia. I got a degree in biology. Uh, Life looked pretty good for me. I was doing Teach for America straight out of school, which I loved. I was placed in Colorado. I was getting to snowboard on the weekends. And I mean, it was my dream. (laughs) And everything just came to a crashing halt. When I was 23, I was involved in a car accident. I got hit by a drunk driver and my world stopped. I, I was injured in the accident. I had a brain injury. And I attempted, you know, to push and kind of get back to life thinking like, oh, this, you know, these symptoms will go away. I'll be okay. And they just, they didn't. I I couldn't focus for more than 10 minutes at a time. I was sensitive to noise, to light, severe migraines, dizzy. I mean, it was, it was terrible. So I had panic attacks and I went on a medical leave from work. Doctors didn't really have much to offer though. They kind of said to me like, sit tight. It should clear up in a month. And then they said three. And then they said six. 
And then at my one year appointment, my neurologist basically said to me, with your type of injury, the body's done the healing that it's going to do. And this is your new normal that you need to adjust to. And in that year, I had lost my job, which meant I had lost my independence, uh, no money coming in at 23. I hadn't really saved much <laughs> to be able to, you know, be ready for a rainy day and uh, ended up having to move back with my family, which, you know, thankfully they were in a position to support me, but uh, it was devastating. I mean, all of the things that I had identified as the, the Danielle that I thought I was, if this makes sense, had all been about the accomplishments I had, you know, achieved who I was able to show up as in the world. And all of that was just slipping away. And I had a massive, I would say identity crisis time to kind of ponder questions like, well, why am I here? And what is the purpose of all of this? And do I even want to stay? Because after my doctor said, like, this is just how life's going to be like, was basically sleeping in a dark room with blackout fabric. Like I couldn't do anything. It's like, well, what's the point of life if this is life? And I really had to dive inward and I had to, <laughs> had to master my own mind because my thoughts were not helpful and feeling like a victim wasn't doing me any good. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to find a solution. I'm going to get better. And something within me just kind of kicked in and a series of events unfolded and we can dive into more of them. But Ultimately, I ended up finding a health technology that helped my physical body to repair itself. It was a biotech discovery, um, supports with cellular repair. And that changed my world. As my health started to restore, I thought, geez, like this came into my life for a reason. I'm meant to share it with other people. And uh, as I was getting stronger and stronger, I began doing that. Eight years later now, I have my full health back. I now have an international business where I have been able to share that technology with people globally. I've helped thousands. I now I just launched a, a business where I'm I'm teaching inner management mastery to help in that year between when my doctor told me that and when I found the thing to help me, a lot went on. And I think what I learned in that time, a lot of other people could benefit from because that's really where resiliency, it's where that that kind of all came from and what I was able to pull on to get through that. And now it's like, life doesn't shake me. <laughs> I've got really strong roots, I would say, and right. an understanding of myself. And um, it's been a wild journey, but one that, you know, now I look back on and I'm very, very grateful uh, that I went through so early in life. That's powerful. I want to dig a little bit deeper into your mindset journey because I'm going to make certain assumptions. Tell me if these are correct, but you were a biology major. So you probably believe deeply in the value of science. Like I don't, I don't know any biology majors who were, you know, who were uh, create. I mean, often can be very creative, but you're not necessarily sort of, you know, screw the system kind of people. And then you've got this traumatic issue and the experts quote unquote, said, no, this is your new normal, Danielle. Sorry, this is as good as it gets. And somewhere from that point, you got to the place where you said, no, I'm going to own this journey. I'm going to make it different. I want to hear about that transition because to me, that's really like really significant. Like what was that mindset journey like for you? Well, it rocked my world. I mean, sure. I, I grew up, my grandfather, my mom's dad was a physician. So the... <laughs> like the Western way of dealing with health was always very prevalent in my life. Like something went on, we call my grandfather, right? He would tell us what to do and et cetera. So I always felt that it's like security in that, you know, like, well, somebody knows better than I about like my own body and how it all works, et cetera. And he was also like an impetus for me to want to study biology. Cause I thought, wow, like he knows so much. I want to know these things too. And uh, I've always been curious about how things work and you know, when my neurologist said that to me, 
it was, I mean, it shattered my reality because I thought someone would always have my back. I always thought, well, somebody has the answer. And all of a sudden the external world was basically saying, we've got nothing for you. Like there is nothing. <laughs> you just, this is it. This is as good as it gets. Like he basically told me, shape my life around my symptoms, move on. Like you can't move on from that. There's nothing to move to when you can't focus, you can't do anything. It, I mean, when your world shatters, it's hard to know where to go. I honestly felt like I was a little child dropped in the middle of like the dark woods. Um, You know, my parents were around me. Don't get me wrong. I had people in my life that were being supportive, but they didn't have answers either. And it's like, what do you do and where do you turn? And it was like, because so much externally wasn't there and the answers that where I had typically searched for answers, right? They were in a textbook. They were, you know, you do enough research, you find it, right? All of these things. <laughs> um, thankfully, part of that saved me because I I had a book in my bag when I went to the neurologist that day called The Brain That Changes Itself by Norman Doidge, I think. Is Doidge, I love that book. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, God, okay. Book. You know the book. Yeah. Oh, right. Absolutely. Love it. <laughs> yeah, it was a game changer for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's incredible. So he's like chapter by chapter, like case studies of research showing the, like how neuroplasticity works and how you can create new neural connections. And I, that was like a saving grace for me because sitting in the office, I said to this neurologist, I said, well, time out. Like you're telling me this is forever, but in this book, there's people like way worse off than me that are doing better. Like what about neuroplasticity? And he said to me, that's a theory. It's not proven. And I said, (laughs) you're fired. (laughs) Like laugh out loud. Like, okay, goodbye. But I kind of held to that. Like you got to have, it's like that light at the end of the tunnel. Like you got to have something that you're holding to. So something within me deep knew, like there's a way to get back from this. It just might take some time, but my inner world was so rocked. You know, I had been feeling like a victim and people were sort of they're like validating that they were saying to me like, oh, this shouldn't have happened. You didn't deserve it. You know, I'm so sorry for you. And I was feeling those things like me of all people, right? Like, why would this happen to me as if I'm better than anybody else, which I'm not. But, you know, you have these thoughts. It was around that time. I'm actually grateful for the conversation with that neurologist because it was like a kick in the gut of like, stop looking outside of yourself for someone to save you. No one's coming to save you. And you got to figure this out. And the only one that can is you and you better start working on your mind. So I had to go inside of myself and I started to just monitor my thoughts, which my whole life will, (laughs) my head's been very chatty. So (laughs) I always had a lot going on. My, my brain's always kind of been on and I was realizing like, this is not serving me. And I had this realization that like, there was something watching the thoughts if you're with me. So there was something inside of me witnessing this. And I thought, well, I just want to rest as that witness. Like, let's make this noise stop. Because every time I thought about the past, I would get depressed, like severely depressed at this because it was like it was slipping more and more away. And the more I kind of grabbed at it, the the more elusive it got. And then I would think about the future. And we're talking just like, can a friend come over to say hello this afternoon? Well, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to be feeling. And it would just leave me with tons of anxiety. And I was having at this point, like I'm in my mid twenties, I've got friends going on to graduate school, getting PhDs, doctorates, business degrees from Yale, Harvard. I mean, I had a group of friends, you know, coming out of that university that were high level, high functioning society. And I'm watching them just soar. And here I am on the sidelines. And I thought, it does me no good (laughs) 
to think about the future. Like it's just, it's a disservice. And I forced myself into the present moment. I just literally by sheer will said no more. I'd cut the thought off. And it takes a lot of effort. And I understand now why spiritual practices tell you (laughs) everything's in the present moment. Be present and that's all you need in life. And it's like by necessity, I took myself there. And it was as if everything then opened up there where I saw, oh my gosh, like this is all I need. Like, look at how beautiful, how green the grass is. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, I started to just appreciate things that I had never slowed down enough to actually see. And the dynamics of other people, I started to witness. And I was like, oh my God, people are on this like loop behavior, getting reactive about the same stuff. It's like, I started to be able to see arguments before they happened. I'm like, how do you all not see this? And how do you all not see that? It's not even about this situation. Like y'all are mad about things from like a year ago that you're bringing into this moment. I realized I was not exempt from that, that I also had things that, you know, were patterned behaviors. And I start to just really go inside of myself and get really curious, non-judgmental. That was key, but just curious about like, well, where are these thought patterns coming from? Which ones are serving me? Which ones aren't serving me? Can I change them? Is there a way to insert a new way of being because this old way is not helping me? And I found meditation. I found, well, so Kamini's book came in at this exact time. And she was writing about a practice called Yoga Nidra, which is a guided meditation. And she was asking me to cite the like Western research that had been done on this topic. And she was giving the Eastern view of it. And it was this, you know, just beautiful timing for that to arrive in my life and give me the insights that I needed to really understand. Okay. Yeah. I'm not that chatty mind and I can quiet and it's actually ruining things for me. So let's access that, that witness space. That's powerful. And I want to, I want to talk about spiritual practices in a minute. I want to ask you a little bit more though about the shift because you were talking earlier about success markers. Like, you know, my identity was wrapped around these, you know, comparing yourself to your friends who were going on to graduate school and PhDs and probably corporate corporate accomplishments and all that. What was happening for you identity-wise? And and actually what I'm more interested in, like what needed to happen identity-wise for you to kind of get ready for and embark on that journey of healing? Uh, I'd had to all break down. I had to surrender which was something that, you know, I used to think like I could almost like control life into submission that if I just worked hard enough or did, you know, did all these things that it would all work out and to a degree it had, you know, I had been very successful. Uh, I put that in quotes, air quotes, <laughs> successful in what ways, you know, in, in the external world as society would deem successful, right? Top of my class, you know, getting a good career start, all of these things. <laughs> And all of that had to go. It was like this illusion. Like, I'm so grateful because it was this realization that had to occur that like all of that actually doesn't matter. And while that's nice, you really came here for a lot more. And there was so much more to life than just like achieving the job, getting the money, you know, earning the degree, like all these accolades. There's so much more. And it's interesting because I had kind of felt it like you, you know, you perform well, you do things like there's like this moment of like a high and you feel great. And then like, it's back to like, okay, now I got to go after the next thing. And it's just like constant chase that you never arrive. And my, my life brought me to a moment where it was like, well, you can't even chase anymore, Danielle. Like you can't even go after anything anymore. Like we're going to, I, I feel that my soul, you know, my higher self orchestrated this 
to pull me out of that because I was so distracted by it to go, no, sit over here, witness what you were doing and realize that there's more and you need to go learn about what more there is uh, and then bring that out into the world because that's really why you're here. So it was a complete dissolving of my identity. I don't know. I'd never heard the term ego death, but I would say that now that I've heard it, that's what happened. This identity of who I thought I was completely dissolved and it was completely disorienting. I mean, completely. I'm, I'm talking about this now. Let's, I'm 11 years out. So I've got perspective, but in the moment and in the, I mean, this is years of work because even when I started to feel better, I had, you know, I learned to master my inner world this. So I wasn't crying all the time. I wasn't having panic attacks. I was happy. I was joyful. I could find pleasure in the moment, peace. But then when I started to feel better, it was like, this was just as difficult. And honestly, well, I don't talk about this very much, but once I had to start putting my foot back out into the world, it was like, well, nothing's the same anymore. And I, like, I flirted with the idea of kind of, okay, go back to grad school, do the things like that everybody's doing. And it was like every part of my being was screaming, like, no, <laughs> you're not going backwards. Like you're going forward this way. And but that way there was no path and I didn't understand it. And I couldn't figure out, well, who am I in this world that I don't identify with anymore? It would be as if you like Neo, you get pulled out of the matrix and you're looking at it and it's like, well, how I don't want to go back to that <laughs> that I realized there's more, but what do I do now that I realize there's more? And it was really disorienting. And that's where comedy and these teachings that I started to learn, that's why it all clicked in. And it was like, oh my God, there's other people for thousands of years, actually, that have been through similar experiences, similar realizations. And here's how they were, would lay it out for you you know, try that on <laughs> and uh, look at life with that lens and just realize like, it's all about just expansion and more expression and, and discovering more and more of the things that, you know, your soul is hung up on that you need to release. And like, life is this just beautiful game. And it's like, I'm a different human being. It's, it's wild. Like I think back to the Danielle that was, you know, graduated from college. I look at the world very differently now. <laughs> Right, right, <laughs> and I, right. I think when you go through these things, you have to, I, I talk often about post-traumatic growth and it's like people that have been through intense traumas that like their world shatters everything they knew. Now they question, but they're able to, to pull it all back together and like put the pieces back together in a very different way with a very different perspective now on life that they're grateful for that actually yeah. is empowering. It's like, that's post-traumatic growth. And I think more people need to realize like when you have the challenges in life, when you're being broken down, it's actually an opportunity for growth. It's just change. And it's, it's, right. it's okay. It's actually really, really exciting. <laughs> when, when it's yeah. I really love that perspective. It's what Victor Frankl would call a redemptive perspective on your suffering. And mm -hmm. I really love that. Can you imagine, can you imagine being where you are spiritually, even in terms of business success and all that today without that experience? Is it possible yeah. to even, yeah. It would be impossible. And I've got, well, like this, this behind me, this yin yang with the tree of life in it. It's like, we know this world, earth, like there's polarity here. There is dark and light. There's day and night. There's love and hate. Like there's all of these things. And I think as humans, for some reason, because it feels good, probably we tend towards the light. We tend towards the joy to the happy, to the good times. And when the bad times pop up, we think like it's not okay. But the truth is it's all part of the whole. 
you have to have one to appreciate the other. And, you know, I, I now know the term, the dark night of the soul. And I'm like, oh, that's what I went through where it's like this really intense, dark period. But that's when the roots grow. Like that's when you get to know yourself. That's when you learn about gifts and, and you gain insights and you get connected to things far beyond you uh, that give you a strength so that during the light times, you can express more. Like I think about, I'm looking outside, I've got oak trees all around me. They've got really deep root systems. And so when a hurricane blows through here, they just kind of like sway. <laughs> oh, a hurricane, whatever. And I feel as though that's what happened with me. Like having gone through what I went through in my 20s, emerging from that, like my root system is so deep. Like when the pandemic set in, I remember calling my sister and like laughing, being like, oh my God, well, now you guys get to experience what I've been, what I just went through, which is, you know, by someone else's decision, I can no longer leave the house and like I'm restricted in so many ways. And, and I just started laughing because she was having a hard time. And I said, at least you don't have a brain injury on top of it all. Like you're going to be fine. you know. And uh, so it didn't even sway me. I just thought, well, what's this challenge making possible? Right. There's in every difficulty, there's opportunity. And for me, you know, with the pandemic, it made me go online. It forced me to connect internationally with people and my business exploded. So it's just perspective. It is. It is. How do you help people understand? Because this is part of my own journey as well. I know some people listening will will be, be sort of encountering this part of the journey as well, which is a lot of what you're describing sounds spiritual. It sounds kind of woo-woo. I mean, we've talked about Norman Doidge's book, and we, you and I could probably just trade references for the next hour about, about the sort of medical rootedness of some of the things you're talking about. But how do you now, as a biology major, as a person who kind of thought that way, how do you now understand some of these spiritual practices that you engage in that really help you have a, a sense of recovery, a sense of healing, and a sense of rootedness? Yeah, it makes it all make sense. I think there's, I don't know, maybe a level of arrogance that I used to have and some have here in the West of like, oh, well, we with all of our research and all these things, like we know best. And actually, like we understand some things, but we're like missing the heart, the soul to it all. You know, it's like we figured out all the parts, but when they all go together, there's something more and we haven't tapped that essence, right? And I think these Eastern philosophies, you know, the yogic tradition and the yogic philosophy is it's like the science of spirituality. Like they were, they were studying things and questions like, well, if there was one truth that if we all knew would solve everything, what is that truth? And they found it. And that's what they teach. And they say, it's your mind. It's the, it's you identifying with your thoughts. Like you're more than your thoughts. And when you start to, to go there, it just makes sense. It makes the whole mechanism for me. It was like having this Western perspective on the body And we kind of view the mind and the body as separate. That's how I was taught. And in psychology, right, what do psychologists do? They make you think about things. They make you, how do you feel about it? And then back, what do you think about how you're feeling? And like, you're just in this, like with your mind. And it's helpful, but it's almost like weed whacking. And like, that's like, it's taking the weed whacker and cutting the weed down, but the root is still there. (laughs) Like, So it pops back up. And I think that for my, in my experience, the the Eastern view, this philosophy that is more spiritual, is able to get at the root of the issue and pull it out. And it's like they have tools and techniques that we haven't quite come across yet. I think that more is moving in that direction. 
And it's really encouraging to see that meditation, breath work, people are like starting to, to adapt these things. And it's funny, like in the West, people are like, oh, we'll breathe. It's helpful to breathe. Well, the yogis are like, yeah, but there's like a hundred different ways to do breath work. And if you need this certain thing, try this breath work. Like, you know, they're just that that ancient wisdom that's been passed on generation to generation. Um, there's a lot there. And I think, you know, I've just learned to, I used to think I knew everything. And now I've realized, the more I learn, the realize, I realize I don't the less I know, like every single moment I learn something, I go, holy cow, what else do I not understand? And, or what else is a false belief or that, you know, society programmed me to believe that, well, maybe it's not true. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think the biggest thing for me has been the direct experience. It has been being able to meditate, to quiet my mind and go to this space have intuitive hits come in, you know, know things that there's like, well, how would I know that? And have them then proven to be true in the external world. And I, it just made me realize like there is an, an energetic field. And if you look more at the science of where we're getting quantum physics, like it all points to this too. And that's what's there. That's what these yogis tapped into. They didn't have the words to describe it like we do these days. Um, but it's all kind of merging. And I think when you can have direct experience with something, you're not on trial, right? It's like, I know that I know because I've experienced it and I would love other people to experience it. And I've watched, you know, some of these tools and techniques that they've developed that like, I went to therapy in the West. I did psychotherapy. It was helpful <laughs> to a degree, but it never quite got everything pulled out. Yeah. Yeah. I like that analogy and even psychology. I often think of it as the weed whacker that can get the weeds out of the way, but it doesn't necessarily help me get down to the, 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 the underlying root issues. What are the tools that you use? Like what are the tools that you use at the beginning of this journey? And what are the tools that now kind of make up your daily habit stack or your tool stack, however you describe it? Yeah. At the beginning, it was a lot of nature. So going out into nature, I found it to be very peaceful. I didn't understand then what I understand now, which is like the literally like the resonance, the energy that is out in nature that is emanated there. It actually helps reset your own energy system. And like we digest things. I think most of us think about what we eat, what we drink, but what you watch, the words you hear and listen to, like all of this, your system is having to, to process and detox from. So for me, just intuitively, going out into nature was always really peaceful for me. I always felt better. And so I would go on walks. I would just sit when I could. And now I understand what was actually going on that like it was literally helping my system to just rebalance. Meditation, yoga nidra specifically, which is this guided meditation that you do laying down in a dark room, which is like ideal. <laughs> I have done that and continue to do that. Because it's just, it's good physically, it's good mentally, because it makes the mind be quiet. It's good emotionally, because it just creates this, um, this peace within you. And spiritually, I mean, you're connecting in with that field, which every time I do a yoga nidra, something different happens. And it's just it's whatever my body needs, but I've had some, some wild experiences. And one that's just, it's coming to me is like, I literally experienced looking at my own body, like I was outside of my body, watching my body in the yoga nidra state. And I was watching it from here, like, right, like almost on my chest, like looking at myself, it's the most wild thing. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, that's what I'm saying. When you have these direct experiences, you can't unknow. So it's like, okay, I realize I'm more than this body. Right. And then we'll like, right. well, what am I? And what am I? So 
those things have helped. Um, more recently, I have, well, I still do all the things, nature, for sure, yoga nidra, for sure, eating healthy, all those things. But I also now do a practice called yoga therapy. And it's really just gentle stretching. And the idea here is like trauma, intense emotional events, that energy gets stuck in the system. And what yogis say is that it's like living in your body somewhere. And so where you feel tension or you feel a little bit off, if you ever like stop and slow down long enough, you'll go, oh yeah, like my low back is always, or my shoulder is always like an issue or my stomach. Like when I ask you, where are you stressed out and where do you feel it? Everyone I ask will probably tell me something different, but you think it's normal in your body. It's not normal. (laughs) It's just like, this is this energy that's just stuck in your system and it's screaming at you that it wants out. And yoga therapy says, great, let's create the space to just go be with that and let it move. And so I've had all sorts of like things move through my system, like tensions that's been in my neck for over a decade, go away, stuff in my low back that's been able to like fully release. And it's jaw dropping. I still to this day, am like amazed at what these techniques are able to do because they're so gentle. They're so seemingly simple that you're like, well, doesn't it need to be a little more complicated? Like, no, it doesn't. So I, I do those things and um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. The, the peace that just continues to kind of emanate from within and the, the purity. It's like my, my, my inner world is no longer just ruled by my thoughts and all these crazy, like, you know, when a scenario pops up, like, yeah, my mind still has things to say about it, but I don't like bring that front and center and let that be like the only thing I'm looking at. It's like, I, I let it just exist over here while I can still stay present in the moment, you know, despite this little reaction that's happening. I love that. And for you, this isn't just, this isn't just you kind of sitting in a quiet room alone. You use these practices to ground yourself, but then you take it out and you've been very successful in the corporate, in the business world. So I'd love to have you share kind of the correlation between those two. What do you think is the relationship between these grounded, this grounded work that you do, the work of what you call post-traumatic growth, and how well it's helped you uh, thrive in the market? Great question. And it's, I think, first thing, the better I understand myself and my inner world, the more I understand other people, because we're all humans on the same journey with the same mechanisms happening. And when I when I had this self-awareness, it was like all of a sudden other people became much easier to understand. And I had a ton of compassion because I could see how their mind was just like ruling their life and causing them anxieties and fears and all this stuff. And I think that because a lot of people have said to me, Danielle, I don't know what it is about you, but I'm drawn to you. Like, what is that? Like you've got this thing that I can't quite put my finger on, but I want what you have. And I know what they're talking about because what I've been able to do is just, I've removed the mind, my ego. I mean, I'm not perfect, but in most scenarios, I'm able to keep it over here so that like my true essence, what I would say is like the light of the divine is able to shine through and people recognize it because they know that that's inside of them too, but they've never been able to get there because they're so dominated by the mind and they feel that energy and they're like, well, how did you do it? So there is a degree of like, attraction that happens um, that I think has been able to benefit me in the business world because I put people at ease in my presence. There's, you know, peace. I, there's no judgment that ever comes from me. And I think people feel that because I don't judge myself and I don't judge them. I have no expectations, which 
I'd say a lot of entrepreneurs and people that are starting business and they're getting out there and they're networking, they're like, there's really a, like an expectation or like this need of like, oh my God, I need you to do this. So, and it just, it clogs the energy flow. And I have just realized like so much unfolds without my doing. When I try to get in the way of it and think it should be a certain way, it's like I'm funneling this incredible energy into like this tiny, itty bitty little sliver of what could happen versus just telling my mind to like, stop. Like, yeah, it could be that scenario, but maybe something else is better. And I open myself up to the, maybe something else is better. And I trust the flow things unfold. And people, again, they feel that like Danielle's not pushing me. Like she doesn't need me. Like, and so when you don't push or pressure, it draws people to you and that's key in business. (laughs) And everybody kind of misses that because they're so, they're so all about themselves. And I just, I take care of myself in the morning and then I put myself aside and I say, how can I show up? How can I serve? How can I be present with the people in front of me? And, you know, I, I have this, this concept of like, leave everyone with an impression of increase. I think it was the science of getting rich Wallace Waddles. I love that book. I've probably listened to it like a hundred times. <laughs> and he, in, in that he says, like, leave everyone with an impression of increase. And so no matter what I do, I am trying to help someone smile, feel good, like, you know, be lifted for having been in my presence. Like I use social media in the same way. It's like, be a beacon of positivity out there, you know? So someone comes across and like you give value that lifts them because that's how they remember you, right? People remember how you make them feel. So like some of it is strategic, but it's also like, that's just what's best for humankind. (laughs) So it's like, you know, I use it in business, but it's not like sneaky. It's like, it's just a good thing that we all should be doing. And if we all operated from that space, it'd be a lot easier and dropping expectations, dropping, um, like a right to the results of my actions. I think a lot of people feel like, well, I did X, Y, and Z. So I deserve this. And it's like, I have learned in life, mostly because of my car accident, I did all the right things. And then I got hit by a drunk driver. Like what the hell? (laughs) So, So I have just said, okay. Like, and that turned out to be a good thing. So I have just said, all right, I'm going to move forward in the direction that I think is best. That's like, you know, seems fulfilling for me and I'll take actions, but I will not get tied up in what the results of those actions are. I have people come into my business and leave my business and I don't care. I mean, I love them. It's not like I emotionally am like detached, like, or I don't care. I'm just detached where I'm like, look, it's their soul's journey. (laughs) There's bigger things going on than what my mind knows. So all of these pieces again, that helped me get through my personal difficulty, I now just apply in the business world. And I think it's refreshing for people. I think a lot of people aren't used to that energy being about out there. And so it's, yeah, it's like an, a, it's like a beacon that <laughs> people get attracted. Yeah. I love that. How does that help you think? Cause I know you, you help, I know you, you have your own successful business and then you kind of help people with business. How does that help you think about like sources of income and stuff like that? Because I know for me, like, as I was my journey to entrepreneurship, which was later in life, there was this sense of like, well, this thing, this one thing better work out or that's it. I'm done for, you know, how do you help people think about not just multiple sources of income, which is which is important, but more broadly, like being open to whatever the universe wants to bring. You've got to trust. I think a lot of people have difficulty with surrender. Like we think we try to, again, control life into into submit. Well, it needs to happen this way. Well, OK, it could happen that way. But what if there was a whole nother vein that you're not even seeing that 
you could go down that would actually be more beneficial and lead to even more than you're imagining. And, you know, it's so hard, I think, for us to release control and our ego, our minds, you know, believe that it, that it knows best and to let that go and to just say, well, I'm trusting in what I can't see. It's very difficult, but what I know to be true, having experienced it myself, coached a ton of people through this. It's like the moment you take a step before your foot hits the ground, the path will be revealed. But so many people are waiting to see the path before they step or thinking the path, you know, should be one way or waiting for it to show up and then they'll step. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. You have to create the first action and then the universe can go, okay, here you are. (laughs) And so it will come. But we live in this like fear of, oh my gosh, well, I don't know. It's like they say leap and the net will appear. Well, so many people won't just leap, but once you leap, it's when it all happens. And it's just that the only way to leap is to get through the inner world of the mind saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And, you know, it's not like you ever get past that. Like I just launched a new business and my mind was so loud. It almost made me throw up because I was like so nervous to go on this new path. But I was laughing at myself in the moment. I'm like, oh my God, I'm making myself sick. (laughs) Like These crazy thoughts. But I've learned enough about who I am and who I'm not to not let that dominate me. Most people let the thoughts dominate and they try to control, they try to force things, they let fear rule the day. And whenever you're making choices out of fear or lack, you know, well, if it doesn't work out, then I'm in trouble. Like it's already, you're already in trouble. (laughs) You know, you are in an abundant world. Like go try and count the number of blades of grass. Like there's abundance all around you. There is an abundance of wealth that can come to you, but you have to be in a space where you can receive, where you've surrendered to it, where you realize you're just a conduit, you know, it's not about you. Those things need to be in place. And so it's, I mean, I love moving people through that moment because once they step and it happens, they're like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And then they step again. And so they get, they get stronger with their faith and their trust. It's like fear and faith, two sides of the same coin. You got to believe in something you can't see. And so many people choose fear fear of what could maybe happen rather than faith in what could maybe happen. And I would just offer, look, if you're going to waste your energy, (laughs) believing in something you can't see, why not go with the one that could potentially lead positive, right? Rather than the one that can go negative. Right. You know, we're talking a lot about your story, but I'd love to hear a little bit about your business life and sort of what you've been able to create in the world. Yeah. Well, interestingly, my first kind of endeavor was in the network marketing space, which prior to uh, all of this, I would have said was like a sleazy business model and something you should stay the heck away from. <laughs> but I, the the biotech company that discovered this technology that helped my body to, to repair, they were going down a traditional like pharmaceutical route, ended up just, it wasn't the right way to go. It was co- trying to be like bought and kind of shelved. And the, the founders of this company that owned the IP at the time, they just said like, we morally can't do this. We got to get this out to the world. So they chose network marketing. They chose word of mouth for better, for worse. It was like the best model to get something that needed some education out there. So I found myself in love with their technology, you know, being a biologist, getting to talk about a biotech discovery. It was like, I'm in, (laughs) but it was through network marketing, which I had no really grounds to have an opinion about, but you know, just society had told me it was a bad thing. And I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, which every entrepreneur should. And he talked about like the value of the network marketing industry and how it teaches people entrepreneurship without all of the like burdens and intense things of like all of the worrying about 
IT and distribution and market, like all of the things that you have to wear, all the hats you have to wear as an entrepreneur. It was like, no, in network marketing, like you partner with a company that takes care of that and you just share your story. And I was like, I could do that. <laughs> so, so I learned business in that space and I, I got out uh, into my community to meet people. I've grown my business entirely in the cold market. Like nobody that's in my business. I knew when I started and I was meeting a ton of other entrepreneurs and I was just totally in love with their energy, their creation, their like zest for life. I started to, um, I was an ambassador for my chamber of commerce. I took a role as director consultant for uh, BNI, Business Networking International for the Orlando, Florida area. And so I was training and teaching entrepreneurs like how to network, right? How to make it not about themselves, like these things we talked about and more about the other person. And it was just beautiful. My business started to grow and it was a reflection I could see of my inner growth. Like the more confidence I got, the more aware I became, the more fully I showed up as myself. It was like a direct correlation to how much growth would happen in my business. And one thing led to another. I found myself at our last big company event, closing, doing, getting to do a keynote talk, uh, closing out the conference right before like the founder closed it, closed it, but I was right before him. And it was just like this moment. He said, I'll never forget. He said, Danielle, it was like that moment and like a star is born where like Lady Gaga, that movie, like she's out there and people are like, there it is. He said, you have like, you've come into your own. Right. And that has given me the confidence now to, to start another line of business, which is teaching a program called Inner Management Mastery, which is designed specifically for entrepreneurs and driven professionals. You don't have to own your own business, but if you're trying to make it in the world, applying the concepts we talked about today will allow you to do it with ease, without burnout, with peace, with joy, you know, getting rid of like the self-sabotaging behaviors that happen, understanding these truths that come from, you know, this lineage I've studied, I believe can set people free. So I, I launched that. I've had more bookings than I've known what to do with, uh, with interest in the program. And so it's just, it's exciting to, I feel like, you know, everything in life prepares you for the next level. And I've been able to coach a lot of entrepreneurs uh, in the space that I'm in, but the, the coaching has always been for free as part of just being part of the network marketing space. And now it's like, look, I'm bringing something totally different that, you know, there's an investment obviously for, and it's just taking off when you're in flow, you're in flow and it's a great place to be. That's remarkable. If people want to uh, connect with you, how do they do that? I'm on all the social media platforms. Instagram, probably easiest if you want to message me. It's just my name, Danielle Matthews. You got an underscore at the beginning and the end. And my link tree there links off to Yoga Nidras if you want to try one. There's recordings there, my ebook, all sorts of good stuff. I would love to connect with anyone that, you know, if you have questions, if I can help you some way on your journey, just, just reach out. Excellent. And I want to close with one really big question. So this is a question I've been playing around with lately. I, I kind of really in love with this question. So what you've presented is a really are some really big ideas. This idea of post-traumatic growth, of changing our attitude toward the trauma in our life and using it to grow is really, really powerful and really important, I think, for our culture right now. So I want you to imagine that the leaders of the free world have tuned into this podcast and they get super excited about the ideas that you presented. Now, let's imagine 20 years from now, they've begun to really incorporate what you're talking about, what's in your book, what's in your, you know, what's in your program. How could the world be changed? 
Mm, I believe that the world would be changed because people's egos would be stepped aside. I think people would see the bigger picture of how we're all actually interconnected and are part of one. And, you know, as you clear the inner pollution in your own mind, like as within, so without. So in 20 years, if politicians as a society, like we've been working through these practices, we've all been becoming the best, most empowered version of ourselves. Like the world's gonna be a fun place to be in. <laughs> Can you imagine everyone being lit up, excited, joyful, fulfilled, like, you know, just confident, having self-awareness and wanting what's best for the other in front of them? Like that sounds incredible. It sounds like the opposite of so much of what is uh, in occurrence today. And yeah, that's a world I think we'd all be thriving. I think the environment would also be thriving. We'd be making very different decisions uh, about how we're interacting with, you know, the earth and, and the space we live in. Yeah, that's the world I'm wanting to create. <laughs> so. well, I love it. And I hope everybody listen, listening wants to help you create that world as well. So Daniel Matthews, thank you. This was incredible. This was really great. I'm excited to share your thoughts with the audience. Oh, well, thanks so much, Will, for having me on.